it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Butch Walker is his name. He is this week's guest on the Headliner Interview, a new weekly episode of the Pop Shop Podcast. My name's Chris Payne. I'm a staff writer at Billboard. I'm your host. So Butch Walker is a singer-songwriter. Uh, if you go to a record store, right, a lot of times rock and pop are together. It says rock slash pop on the sign. This man's fingerprints are all over that section. He's in his mid-40s now. In his career, he's worked with artists like Fall Out Boy, Pink, Katy Perry, Avril Lavigne, Weezer. Uh, he did the song Everything Has Changed, Taylor Swift with Ed Sheeran. He's basically done a lot, and he just put out an album of his own. It's called Stay Gold. You heard it at the top of the show, and you'll hear more of it in this podcast. We talked about a whole lot of things, what it was like working with Taylor Swift, how they got to know each other. Uh, Actually, a backing singer of Taylor Swift's, he's working with her on a new album right now. She's a good friend of Taylor's. So if you're a Taylor Swift fan, I think there's lots to dig into here. Uh, as far as Fall Out Boy, interesting story he told me was that their song, My Songs Know What You Did in the Dark, he actually wrote that song and offered it to someone else who passed on it, a pop star, before Fall Out Boy took it. So, yeah, interesting stuff like that is the kind of stories that come from a guy like Butch who's been in the industry working with all sorts of famous musicians for a while, and it was really, really interesting to hear these firsthand from him. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy this. When you're done, I'd really appreciate it if you could hop on iTunes and rate the podcast, star rating, write in your own feedback with the review. That's the sort of stuff helps a lot with making the show better for you guys every week. And yeah, Pop Shop has been going on for a while. Keith and Katie have been holding it down. Rest assured, their show, their episode will be back in a couple days. Uh, there's going to be one of these headliner interviews every Thursday with Pop Shop. Last week had Jimmy World on the show, so you can dig into that one on iTunes as well. But right now, it's all about this interview with my man, Butch Walker. Here it is, Pop Shop Podcast headliner interview. Butch Walker here in the Billboard studio. What's up? Oh, me? <laughs> I'm up now. I, my, my alarm didn't go off this morning. My tour manager told me I was only two blocks away. That's not true. We got you some sparkling water here. All woke up. Yeah, I'm. I'm all woke up instead of all broke up. 
and it's uh it's great because yet at 46 i've probably drank all the liquor all that the there liquor. is and um i needed to get my uh act together uh okay. so you know i needed to uh kind of figure out how to how to live a little longer and see my son graduate high school so my doctor was like you got to get get it together man um it happens quick yeah yeah, you just did a little Q&A for Billboard's magazine, and you mentioned you're on this no-alcohol, no-sugar diet. So tell me how that's going. Awful. But <laughs> but it's going—I guess it's going good because I'm sticking to it, but it's absolutely zero fun. Um, you know, it's this whole thing of, like, you go to the doctor, he says, okay, your triglyceride, your, your cholesterol, your blood pressure is off the charts. You know, you have heart disease running in your family. You make the call. I have a nine-year-old boy who I love to death. And so I just realized that more importantly, like a a bottle of Maker's Mark a night was probably not the best move uh, anymore. So uh, I got off all that stuff, and it's been a shock to the system, but I'm really impressed with my willpower on this one because I've never gone, and this sounds sad, but I've been playing uh you know music on a stage since i was 15 years old and been drinking probably since i was 16 and um this is the first tour i've ever done sober i've never played a show sober which is sad so i could really drink a bottle of liquor throughout a two-hour show and walk off stage just fine i feel like with keeping your vocals good it must make a big difference well the funny thing is is my voice is shredded on this tour (laughs) it sucks it's like i gave up the dairy the sugar the alcohol and now i'm hanging on by a limb but i think that's actually just because i picked a very uh ambitious set list for this one Mm -hmm. and my you know my vocal cords weren't weren't really ready for that i don't think but it's cool i'm hanging in there something happens magically 30 seconds before I go on stage and it comes back and uh, it's probably adrenaline, I suppose. But um, the next day I usually can't talk very good and, and can't, can't, uh, can't sing till, till showtime again. Yeah. So you said a bottle of maker's mark per day. That was the norm. That's kind of the norm for touring. Yeah. Do you change it up? Mix up liquor brands sometimes? Yeah. It was Jameson for a while. Um, and, you know, it just gets to the point where when you have the tolerance of a bull, yeah. you know, you, you, it doesn't really affect you, you don't think. Uh, anyway, this is not a PSA. I just wanted to say that after the first show I did, where I was sober for it, it felt good. And uh, now it's no problem. And now I actually am very excited about not drinking at shows. Um, doesn't mean I won't again. I'll probably, yeah. last day of the tour, I'll probably get a bottle of wine and maybe a giant rind of cheese and just sit in the back lounge of the bus naked and <laughs> little private wine and cheese party pour it all over my head. And <laughs> like, I just want a NASCAR race, but, um, yeah, it'll, it, it, it it's a good me- uh, lesson in moderation, I guess now, which I've never, ever, ever had in my life. Yeah. Just like little breaks to keep you going. Yeah, exactly. Long haul. Yeah. Cause like I've, I've spoken to musicians about this before, how even if like, you're not an alcoholic on tour. If you're drinking every night and still going at it, you're basically a functioning alcoholic in the technical sense of it. Oh yeah. To the third power. I think I'm definitely a functioning alcoholic. I don't wake up and drink and I can't, I can't go in the studio and work on records and, 
go or start drinking at sound check. It's never that. It's like it's nighttime social drinking, you yeah. know. But on stage, it's like the giant social gathering of them all. And it got to the point where people would just bring me ten to twelve shots per, during the show a night uh, on top of what I was drinking out of a bottle. And um, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want people to think that that's my whole thing. It's not a shtick. It was actually just, it's just kind of a comfort zone you get into. And maybe it's a way, maybe it's some sort of subconscious nerve settler. You know, when you're on stage, you think, oh, I don't get nervous, but there's, there's nerves. So I think that's part of it. It's just like when I was in a bar all through the 90s and I had to have a cigarette lit right when I walked into a bar and I couldn't have a drink without a smoke in my hand. And obviously that changed with the laws. And that kind of weeded that out. Yeah, and even for people in the crowd, I think, or people who are just on the tour not actually performing, you feel kind of out of place, kind of awkward if you don't have that drink in your hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and definitely now if I go to a bar, it's not that fun to, uh, it's not that fun to, to sit in a bar sober because everybody's faces and eyeballs are sliding down their face and slurring and... You go, oh my God, that's that was me, you know. <laughs> but I'm all for everybody having a good time, so I never preach. I'm not preaching. This is not an AA situation. I will, I will drink again, <laughs> just not as much. Yeah. So you mentioned that it's an ambitious set list for this tour. Is it because the songs on Stay Gold they're a lot more amped up? Is it because they're more difficult, challenging to sing? Yeah. I think if I was smart, I would have gone the Tom Waits route uh, maybe 20 years ago and started Got writing songs where I was, where everything was down here and I could sing like that for the rest of my life because he sounded 90 when he was 20. Uh, I probably should have followed that, but no, I dug myself a big, giant, fat ditch by making everything in the like you know stratosphere vocally because I grew up a glutton for melody. And so... Uh, you know, to do those songs live now, as opposed to being 25 years old and, uh, 30 even it's, it's a, it, it, it hurts a little more, but I'm proud to say I can hit them and I don't have to change the key of the song at mm-hmm. all. I still do them, but it's definitely, uh, man, I need to make a crooner record soon so I can just like go out and, and not, not freak out about losing my voice every night, but. I get carried away. I like to scream and have fun on stage, and everybody, everybody berates me for it. Then the band, they're like, "Man, you gotta quit doing all that and quit <laughs> screaming so much." And but I'm, I don't know, man. I get two hours out of the day to to have therapy, so mm. which is what it is. Yeah, and across your career, you've gone across kind of this spectrum of hooky rock music from '80s metal, slick pop rock to pop punk, and just more just like maybe rock influenced pop. Like, you've gone across a lot. Yeah, I mean, I grew up on so many different kinds of music that it it's hard to say that you're only in, inspired and affected by one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and it bums me out. Not bums me out. It actually just, um, it, it, it fascinates me that a lot of people are so stuck in doing one thing because they're either afraid that, their fans that only want one thing will leave them if they if they show that their love and their ode to something else that they liked mm-hmm. uh, or that were influenced by. Uh, not not with me, man. I don't. 
I don't care. I don't care if people don't don't want to hear it. <laughs> I mean, that to me was part of growing up in a small town with one radio station that at that time played everything. So you could hear you could hear Prince and Aerosmith on the same station and you could hear Leonard Skinner and the Police and Susie and the Banshees and The Cure and all of these things David Bowie uh, all these things on one station. And so how can you like go through life going, oh, I just, I don't think I could ever show my Bowie roots or I don't think I could ever show my my love for the cure on a song because I'm one thing. These jeans, that's my, that's me. You know, these shoes, that's me. That's what I loved about some of my favorite artists ever were like Prince and Michael Jackson and David Bowie and, uh, even the Beatles, who at the time, if you think about it, over like a 10-year period, they were a different band every record. And well, I don't know why that's considered unacceptable now to a lot of folks, where it's like, really? Because back then, they couldn't wait to try on new shoes. They couldn't wait to put out a new sound. They couldn't wait to tap into something else that they were influenced by. And I loved like... I love David Bowie's like, like Ziggy Stardust glam era, and I loved his serious moonlight, you know, like weird, you know, almost like blues inspired art, old R and B sixties pop mm-hmm. stuff. I loved all of it, you know, because a good song is a good song, and if somebody's good at doing it, Prince was the same way. It's like he was good at any genre, so it's like let him have it, man, you know. Yeah, and what you were saying about that radio station, the one station playing all different genres, you know, I think that's a lot like streaming generation, like kids these days, because they just don't care about, oh, I'm like a hip-hop kid or I'm I'm a rock kid. Like, they maybe were in the 90s or the 80s. Yeah. That's yeah. changing. I, it is changing, and I, and I love that. And I love the fact that people can can just, uh, they, they can find music in so many different ways now. And, and if the walls are broken down as to as to uh, what genres they listen to, then more power to it. Yeah, and if you're strictly just a musician functioning in a band, I can see how it can be a little bit more constricting with fearing alienating your fans like you've been mentioning, but hey, you're a producer. Or, or, or alienating your drummer. <laughs> yeah, or that. You know, I mean, that's the thing, is like, it's impossible. It's a, that's a, let's say you got four bandmates, that's four people married, not just one. You think it's yeah. hard enough to go through being married to the same person and you guys never never changing and always being on the same path together try doing that with five six band guys or girls you know it's like everybody's gonna have different influences and you know the drummer's not gonna be excited about making an electronic record where he's replaced with you know synthetic drum parts and or how about keyboard bass and the bass players bummed out and it's like you know there it's Mm -hmm. really hard to like i'm you know I envy people that can stick it out, bands that can grow through time and and stay stay on the same course together because it's really hard. And give, given that luxury and that freedom as a as a solo artist, that's that 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 takes a lot of that pressure off. Yeah, cuz you I'm sure when you're producing an artist, you get to have like little bits of yourself in there and how you're guiding them along, but it's their music, so you also get to just do you on your solo albums. 
Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's that's what it is. It's just, it's still me. It's still my songs. It's just sometimes the it's produced or wrapped up in a different sonic package, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know what you were saying about the, like the rock bands all getting on the same page. A lot of, a lot of bands these days are smaller units. It'll be maybe two guys, two people, or three people on the bands, not, or the drummer's not even an official member of the band. So even that unit's He's a hologram. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that's awesome. And I think that's just kids that, that were coming up in a time they had to make it work for them if they wanted to get out and hustle because it got harder for a minute to get out there and, and tour and get your music heard. And with... Um, even a lot of these guys are going out there and doing it with playing to playing to like, you know, background tracks so that their bass player is actually not even, Mm. it's just on, it's on a computer. And so they can still have a big sound live or you can see groups that, um, where it's almost like a DJ thing. You know, it's almost like there's like, like, like they're just, I've seen that too, where it's great, where there's just one guy working a laptop and then one person singing or maybe there's a guitar player uh, that with the, with the advancement of modern technology, it's, it's made it more possible for groups to, to scale down and do that and be more of a focused uh, um, presence of like, like you said, like duos, duos are, you know, it's just a, it's, it's a big, it's a big movement. Uh, but uh, it's, it's also to me, call me old fashioned, but I do love just seeing a full band up there making making shit work and just making it happen with real instruments and creating this like you know this weave of of madness that is really a testament to being able to play your instrument and so I'm excited for groups that can get up there and play and just sing and everything's on a computer and the light shows doing the work and it looks amazing and sounds great. But I just don't think real instrumentation and real music will ever die. It'll always kind of come around and be like, Hey, we're still here. We're still here in the background. We're still playing guitars and bass and drums and making this loud ruckus together that cannot be done with computers. Yeah. And I think it goes across genres. Like, Pretty frequently, I'll see a rapper performing live with a backing band with like drums and live bass. I love and that. keyboards. I love that. Jay Z. There's a ton, ton of of that of those artists that can get up there and and uh, and and break the ground. I like it when they also bring out an actual existing uh, group, like a rock group or something, you know, and and use them as their backing band. Yeah, Jay Z and Lincoln Park got to make another album together. Oh, that's right. They did do here. that, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like this discussion. I like where this is going. But um, let's drop in some music and we'll get back to this. Okay. Let's play Stay Gold, title track off the new album. Cool. Rock bands, artists, how they're evolving, embracing, you know, some electronic music, some backing tracks, embracing hip-hop more. I, when you, we were talking about this, I just kept thinking of Fall Out Boy, who you've worked with 
recently across them evolving like this. I think they embody that really well. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so when they took a long break, um, it, it was good timing for them to kind of fade out because they were burnt. They had gone through pretty much every uh, every you know ring of fire they could as a as a pop punk emo whatever you want to call it they were the stalwarts of that and the poster children for it and then you know that music kind of kind of faded and i think they're they're uh they needed a break from each other uh and so five or six years later they're talking about well this is a completely different world now musically out there uh and we're kind of itching to make a record again and uh, kind of reinvent ourselves, and so we're just kind of thinking, what's, what is, what is this band? What is, what is Fall Out Boy now, as opposed to five, ten years ago, when they were just kids and playing, you know, pop punk music. So they all grew and grew in different directions, but they all had one common bond, which was, you know, uh, they all loved pop music. And at the time on the radio, you know, it's very much a, it was very much a pop dominated world, not so much guitar rock and things like that. Uh, We kind of said, how can we combine those two and make something that sounds like it can be played next to Rihanna as well as, you know, a harder, like a harder rock band on a different radio station format. Um, And... I had this idea for a song called Light em Up <laughs> that I had, funny enough, I had actually written it for somebody else that they sat on it forever. Their loss. Ooh, who passed on it? Um, it was a pop girl. Huh. Big one. Huh. A real big one, which she's fine. So, but, um, but that being said, uh, I was like, you know what? I'm tired of waiting this song, this song sounds like it could be a big song. And so I played it for the guys in Follow Boy because I met with Pete and Patrick for lunch to talk about what kind of record we're going to make, how's this going to work, what, what is Fall Out Boy now. And when they heard that, it was like, okay, that's our blueprint for the record. And, you know, reworked by by them and some words rewritten and tweaks and then had the whole band come in and play on it. And, you know, it'd be a real, a real band recording, but, uh, with a lot of diff modern advancements to their sound. Uh, we, we, we created a, a hit song out of it and I'm really proud of that whole record. I think they came back with a lot of fire and, um, Literally. and it, it was unique and it just sounded like it, it didn't sound like anything else out there. Which was what they, what that everybody, you know, that's what we wanted. We won with that, you know, yeah. little victories. Yeah, I mean, the album was called Save Rock and Roll, and mm-hmm. there weren't too many rock and roll songs on top forty then, and yeah, yeah, that might have been one of the few songs in the top forty with electric guitar on it, <laughs> you know, which I'm really proud of. Yeah, and then you did American Beauty, American Psycho with them. Did some of it, yes. yeah, yeah. Me and, and Jake uh, Sinclair, who was who came in as my like. He was my. He came in as my engineer uh, for like five years, and then just kind of came up and became a producer. So 
ended up working out well for us to pass that torch back and forth on that record. Have you talked to Fall Boy about doing anything in the future? I would. I mean, I would love to. I love those guys. You know, only reason I didn't get to really work on as much of the last record as I wanted to was because I was on tour myself. So, which is one of the things that kind of gets in the way is my annoying artist career. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I won't give it up. You know, and it's funny how many people in the industry have said that they're just like, "Why do you bother doing that? Why don't you just produce and write records?" Because that's where the money is. And I'm like, yeah, but fuck the money. You know, I don't care about the money. It's like, there's always money somewhere, but there's not always inspiration and there's not always satisfaction from your job. So I get to do that job and it feels good. Yeah. And it sounds like you get a very unique fulfillment from making and touring your own music. You can't get other ways. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't really want to, I don't want to ever stop, making music and I'm not really trying to chase some sort of like hit or success or at radio or anything like that with what I do personally because I'll be honest I don't have to you know and that feels good to just make a record of little personal songs that you don't have to worry about whether or not it's gonna be reacting so to speak. Is that, is that, do they still say that a lot? I don't know. I don't listen to a lot of how the industry talks. I, I probably sound very dated myself talking about it, but if I if I follow that stuff too much, it just makes me insane. You know, I can't think about it. Yeah, and like I was reading up and like with your band, The Marvelous Three, sounds like you went through some major label shit. We did. A lot of that was just me being dramatic, though, because I was in my 20s, you know? Mm -hmm. Like just being a narcissist and... A, a little shit like everybody else is at that time, you know? So I was just kind of whining about it too much, but like to the public. Um, I mean, I'm glad I did. It definitely made a lot of people take notice that it's not always cookies and cream in the music business and that record label deals are unfair for the most part, but that's changed a lot. I don't think I had anything to do with that, but I'm glad that I at least got to have my say and have a platform to talk about it when the internet uh, happened. But at the same time, you know, a lot of that's just brought on yourself. You make your own fate. You make your own way in this world. So you suffer the consequences, but you got you. If you don't go through resistance, and then then it's not reality. Yeah. Yeah. Let's drop in some more music. Okay. This is descending with Ashley Monroe. Mm -hmm. Ready. I just want you in my beard Every once in a while I just need a satellite To get me by You can't fake a smile forever Yeah, so Ashley is awesome. She's actually been on this podcast before, so... Oh, that's great. Yeah, how did that come about? Um, Ashley... So I, I produced a train record um, th that had a song called Bruises on it, and it was a duet uh, kind of a thing with Pat, the singer from Train, and Ashley Monroe. Funny enough, little side story, the demo of the song Bruises, which was done in duet form, um, when I heard it, the girl's voice that was on the demo which was not Ashley's, 
I said, man, this is, this is great. Why can't we just use, why can't we just use this girl's voice and use her parts? Um, and they were like, well, you know, we all, we, we, we really, A, we want to do something with Ashley because we really like her. She's more well-known from the Pistol Annie's with Miranda Lambert and her own record, which um, she was just kind of on the on the up, and this other girl was just kind of like a demo stunt vocal. Mm-hmm. And it, it turned out, like, it was funny because we replaced it, and the, the one that we replaced was uh, L. King. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. So she was, like, very unknown at the time. But I remember hearing it thinking this voice is, like, magic, you know, and it certainly was, and she's gone on to do really well for herself. But the good news is is Ashley came in and and just destroyed it and did great, and I, I fell in love with her immediately just as a person and was like, she's so cool, you know, and a great writer, and her album, you know, was up for a Grammy last year, The Blade, that Vince Gill produced and was a big fan of that record and um her songwriting and we just had threatened to get together and work on something for the longest time and she was flying to LA uh for something and I was in the studio working late and she was texting me from the plane and she said um you know she said hey I'm coming to LA do you have time do you want to get together and try to write something finally and I was like, yeah, I would love that. And, you know, we got to texting back and forth while she was flying and said, you know, talking about, we weren't really talking about what we were going to write about. We, we I don't ever do that. But we just started talking about how's life, how's love, how's, how's the relationship, how's family, blah, blah, blah. Back and forth and, you know, got, it got a little intense, a little personal, a little, a little, you know, as it does when you open your heart and talk about the, the, the trials of love and how to stay in it um, mm-hmm. and how to keep it, how to keep it vital. Uh, and in the same sentence, she said, um, we're, we're descending. And I said, the, the plane or your relationship? And she said, Oh no, the plane. Sorry. <laughs> Shit. I gotta, t- I gotta cut my phone off. And, um, I said, okay. And so when she turned her phone back on it after she landed, I had sent her a chorus to a song called Descending that I'd just written. And she loved it, and we got together and finished this, the rest of the song together in five minutes, and the vocal on the record is the demo vocal of us sitting side by side, just like this, singing. That is a perfect songwriting story. It it was really cool. I, you know, you, you just couldn't have happened any other way. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite songs that I've written with someone else. And, you know, that was the whole thing is we were both saying, whose record is this going to go on? Mm-hmm. Because we didn't have a – it wasn't really necessarily let's write a song for somebody. Or it was just like let's just write a song together because we have to. And I said, I hope you don't mind. I want to put this on my record. <laughs> and she was excited. She was like, by all means, so – Cool. Yeah, I want to talk about some of the other people you're working with. Uh, you mentioned in the uh, Billboard magazine Q&A, there's this uh, artist, Liz Hewitt, yeah. who started off as a backing vocalist with Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah. And a good friend of Taylor's from what I've read. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, so it, the whole thing, she's, she's, un, she's not, you know, there's been no record for her yet, so there's been no... 
recording, nobody knows what, what this is going to sound like. So I, I think it's the hardest part about going in with a new artist that's just been signed and to a label or whatever, and you're, you're working on developing a sound. Obviously, the first thing to do in this situation is not make it sound like like Taylor Swift, you know, because <laughs> as good as Taylor is and as awesome as that is, nobody's going to want to hear a record by her former backup singer that sounds just yeah. like Taylor Swift, right? So it's like, what are you? What's your voice? What are you? How are you different from the next? Like, that's all stuff that it's kind of part of producing and part of helping somebody kind of figure out their their sound and their thing and it's been really fun so far we've gotten we've and we've written some pretty awesome songs together for it so i'm excited for the world to hear that because she's got enough uh she's got enough personality to fill up every table every chair in this conference room you know for sure uh it's definitely uh, it's it it shows in the songs too, so I'm excited for people to hear to hear her. She's a rad girl. Yeah, how would you describe the sound of the music? It's it's real. It's super sassy, and it, it almost has like a little bit. It's it's way more on the organic side, I guess. I is okay. for lack of a better word. Um, uh, I, I I hate to use like any people's any any blueprint of like a a person as a reference because I don't want people to just think it's a rip off of that but there's something from those from those old uh Cheryl Crow records that I love okay which has that like fire and that sass and the voice and that like kind of don't mm-hmm. give a fuck thing sorry if I if I'm not allowed to swear it's all good uh but it's um there's something about that but it was also laced with almost this almost a, a Americana country roots but with with like big big beat under it and you know oh, yeah. so I, I know exactly yeah it feels modern yeah. but it also feels like an old pair of shoes that you put on and are super comfortable and it's just really cool i'm excited for people to hear it because that's that's my favorite kind of stuff mm-hmm. is like punchy and really like you know in your face musically but also has this warmth and depth of old instrumentation yeah. kind of woven in and her voice is really she's she's a she's a pistol She's cool. definitely a firecracker. Cool. Yeah. Soak up the sun. All I want to do is have some fun kind of Totally. Vibes. Tuesday yeah. night music club action. And it was really put together that way too. It's just me and a couple of couple of people in the room just like laying down as much live instrumentation to this stuff as possible. Instead of it being like, oh, here's my fingers are sore from programming drums all day. You know, it's none of that. Yeah. And who else are you working with? Um, I just did a couple of singles for Gavin DeGraw's new record, who I've worked with on several of his records, uh-huh. um, and I think they came out really well. Uh, he's he's a, he's an incredible singer, and so it's 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 kind of fun to record him, uh, and we we have fun together too. So I was work, been working on that, and then uh, one of the records I'm really excited about is this uh, Wind and the Wave record that they're the opening act on my tour right now. And their record comes out in October, and they have a song that's doing re- it's re- doing really well. It just hit the top twenty on uh, some chart. I don't know. I don't keep up with it, but it's like um, okay. It's called Grand Canyon. Is the song? It's doing really well for them, and uh, I produced the record, and it's again really good songwriting. Patty's a great lyricist and a great singer, and uh, another another two person group. It's uh, her mm. and a guy named Dwight. 
And um, that one is I'm really excited about. And then I just did a record for another girl who was on tour with me, actually in my band right now, uh, Suzanne Santo, who is one half of another duo called Honey Honey. And Honey Honey's been making a really good noise out there on their own. They 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 can fill up rooms all over the country, and they're they're really good. And I saw them live, and I said, "She's a star. I have to have her in my band. I have to have her play on Stay Gold." She, she can't say no, <laughs> and I basically gave her no choice. <laughs> so I went up and talked to her, and it was great because she was already before I could get my mouth open to say great show. Um, she was like, Hey, I've been wanting to meet you and let's work together on something. I said, I've got just, just the right idea, you know? And so I said, why don't you come see, she, she, she sang and played violin and, uh, and all over my new record and sang a lot of the backups and it's, um, it just made sense to have her come on the road with me and she's doing a solo record. And so I just produced it and it's, it's frightening. It's really good. Yeah, it sounds like when you do choose to work with someone, because, you know, you have a lot of options, I'm sure, it's typically tends to come from familiarity, someone who you're already familiar with, who there's a relationship there. You know, I've just never really been very comfortable with with selling myself, I guess, so I've never told my manager, hey, we got to go out and pursue getting this record or this artist or this is really hot right now let's Uh do that i've never done that once and it's just always been about like to me i'd rather it happen uh organically and be able to work with people i like and things i like and or if it's something i don't know at all i just want to it just has to be interesting to me to do no matter what genre yeah and so it's been fun to like you know, to, to be able to have a lot of these projects come from the genesis of it was a lot of times just my own, my own artists, my own records for my own, for my own self, you know, people will go like, Oh, I love that record. Um, do you want to work on something for me? And that feels good. That feels really good. That's a, that's, that's the highest form of flattery. I think when somebody is into what you're doing for your own music and then says, can you help me make mine? Yeah, and even from those direct personal connections, you've worked with people like Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran on Everything Has Changed, like a huge song. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I got uh, th- that was, again, one of those situations where, you know, Taylor didn't probably know much about me because I'm, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I probably am not on everyone's radar, and that's, that's great. That's fine. It was more, she heard me do a cover of one of her songs. Somebody sent it to her, and I did a, I did a little cover of "You Belong with Me" that I did kind of more in the vein of like a, almost like a, a kind of a folk, uh, kind of a folk bluegrass version of it, I guess. Uh-huh. And it was fun. And I, I just, I had a spare night at my studio and got bored and wanted to do it because I love that song. Yeah. And she hit me up on Twitter. The next day was like, hey, can I call you? I was like, yeah, of course. And so she called me and and she was like, hey, I love this song so much and I love this version. I've got to go play it on the Grammys next week. Do you want to come like play it with me and let's do your version? Hmm. And I was like, well, that's weird and that's awesome. Yeah, let's do it. That sounds great. 
so I just I love people like that that she controls her you know she steers her ship and I think that led to going in the studio after that she was like hey we should work on something for my next record and I just like it when it happens organically like that you know yeah how was that Grammy performance it was fun I've never done anything like that so it was fun I've done plenty of TV taping things but it was cool because she didn't just like stick me way in the background. She was like, I want to make sure you're up here right beside me playing. And so it was fun. I got to play a banjolin, you know, which is, I said, as long as I can play the banjolin, you know, <laughs> on national TV, then that'll be fun. Well, I think a lot of kids these days buy music physically again, especially in maybe the past five years because they buy so much vinyl. Thank God vinyl has had a nice, you know, resurgence because if if it hadn't then uh, yeah all stores would be closed by now music you know record stores for sure yeah and that's that's you know i don't know there would i talk about it on stage uh during the show i'll talk about it before playing a song that's on the new record called record store which is sort of an ode to that that lost time when i could go walk in this magical place as a kid and it was just covered in you know posters and 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 vinyl covers all over the walls and it smelled like pot and incense everywhere and everybody there was super knowledgeable and passionate about records coming out and records that they love that you know from the past and that's how I learned I didn't have a blog to tell me what I should and shouldn't listen to. You know, I didn't have that. It was literally humans in a, in a store that were, and, and I realized, yes, you know, progress, functionality, um, volume, all those things have kind of taken precedence. But there was something about that that made me really appreciate it. So that when I had to get a ride to the, to the store, and had to spend my 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 lawn mowing money, you know, on one record. I'd go home and listen to it fifty thousand times because I cared more about it. You care more about it, and um, that that to me, I, I I feel bad that that's that that's kind of gone away. But thank God that vinyl still exists, so that people will go out and. You know, vinyl and comics keep yeah <laughs> keep a lot of these stores of going, uh, and it's exciting. You know, and I bet if you bought a record after mowing lawns and hated it, you were pissed. You were so mad. Or if you bought a record based on how cool the album cover was, and then the band was terrible, that's happened a few times. Can you think of any records where you were really excited to hear what they would do next, and spent the money and heard it for the first time, and just like were not into it? I mean, yeah. Definitely, uh, and and that's what that goes back to what we were talking about. I know that there's, I know when a, when an artist wants to uh, evolve and progress and show their different influences from record to record, that's a crapshoot because it's not everybody's cup of tea. You know, you're not going to have, you're you're just not going to have everybody on the same page. It's like, <laughs> not everybody's going to want to hear. Um, I'm trying to think of some good examples, but it's like when Dylan went electric and all the folkies were pissed 
I can understand that. But if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have had we wouldn't have had some of those amazing jams that became completely iconic now from that era of him having the band as his backing band and having this new sound as a platform for his poetry. Um, the Beatles going more psychedelic, you know, as opposed to doing their, you know, when the, from, from the late fifties, it was Mm -hmm. what a, what a, what a shift, right. You know, or to a lesser extent, the, 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 the bad disco era for the Rolling Stones and Kiss, you know, those, those records might've been like, that might've gotten a lot of stoners pissed when they heard those records. And it was like, these guys are doing disco beats now, you know? Yeah, or like when Fall Out Boy did Save Rock and Roll. Exactly. And they pissed off pop punk kids from way back. Totally. But if they made a pop punk record in 2013, you know, not a lot of people would go out to hear it. It wouldn't get played. That's exactly right. And that's, you, you, you do have to have that kind of don't give a damn mentality and whatever you want to do, just realize it's not going to always make it, everybody happy. Yeah. And no hate on pop punk. What no, I was, no, no, no. What I was saying is it wouldn't have pushed them forward, you know. Well, and I also, quite honestly, I would have never done the record if they wanted to make that record because I told them right away. I said, listen, I don't know about you guys, but I don't need to hear or make another record like a pop punk 90s record. I don't want to. I'm not interested in it. I did it. It doesn't excite me anymore because it just became something that was, you know, saturated and it's not exciting and fun for me to do anymore. I want to I want to get my feet wet doing something else and so did they and that's why that worked out. But not not I mean sure, is it fun to still listen to those old records? Yes, but I don't want to eat the same thing every day for the rest of my life. I don't want to wear the same clothes every day for the rest of my life. Cool. Well, I mean if there's anyone to push that forward, I mean I just I'm what I'm thinking is it's you're really interesting in that I don't see a lot of producers these days who have a foot in like the pop side and also have a foot in underground rock yeah well i mean like i said i I grew up on all of it so to like to not want to show my love for all of it it would be would be stupid you know it's just there's too much great music out there and to, to soak up and so many different genres that make you feel different ways and that's just it it's like i love listening to black metal but i'm not always going to want to put it on to go to sleep or you know or or feel romantic or nostalgic it's 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 that's if you want to get some aggression out and be pissed off but like i love it and i appreciate it but i also appreciate listening to you know whoever i mean old fiona apple records or billy joel records or old elvis costello new elvis costello tom waits and warren zevon and i mean the list i could just keep going and going all day with what i love and what i'll listen to but might not be every day what i produce but that's okay well for these new artists you've mentioned who you're producing you just threw out a lot of stuff for them to work with yeah yeah (laughs) There's always little elements of it creeping into all of it, regardless, you know? Cheryl Crow. That's what it is right now. I love Cheryl Crow. <laughs> love her. Cool. So, yeah, that's about all I had at my end. I think we touched on a lot there. Okay, cool. Well, man, thanks for having me. Yeah, is there anything else you want to touch on? Hmm. 
Uh, no. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, thanks for all the uh, for the for the good talk. Thanks, Butch. Thanks for coming by. That was really fun. In all seriousness, hope you guys enjoyed that. Hope you enjoyed those little anecdotes from Mr. Walker almost as much as I did. And yeah, his album is called Stay Gold. It's out now. Sounds a lot like that just tried and true Heartland classic rock stuff. If you're into Bruce Springsteen, Tom Petty, things like that, I think you'll be really into it. Check it out. It's everywhere. Butch Walker, Stay Gold, new album. And uh, that's about all I have at my end. want to point out again, subscribe to the show. Pop Shop has been going strong for three years now on Billboard.com. It's our flagship podcast. I've been doing this thing called a headliner interview for just two weeks now before Butch spoke to Jimmy Eat World. So you can dig into that one in the iTunes archives. And yeah, we'll be doing this every Thursday, Thursday morning, new interview, headliner interview. Can't say who I have coming up in the coming weeks, but it's going to be across all different genres. I'm really excited what I have coming up. And yeah, so until next Thursday, take care, guys. Bye-bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.